0: Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Hey friends, your host Jason Moore here. It's been a little while since I put together a podcast, so I wanted to get back into the groove here. It's been a busy season. Hope you had a blessed Easter. But I was thinking about this thought over the last several weeks and it really kind of uh really kind of was burning in my heart. Don't you love when the Holy Spirit puts something in your heart? In uh, Jeremiah 20 verse 7, you know, he it burns in you and you have to uh really speak it. You know, I really sense this maybe be a word from the Spirit for those that are listening. You know, when we consider the church uh especially during this pandemic season, I've been really watching um all over the world just how the church has been handled. It's been really a target actually and really watching especially what's going on in Canada and I know they have a different form of government and no bill of rights like we do but uh, I was watching recently um, the police trying to shut down a church during Easter and the pastor was there at the door and just had such a Passionate response for them, saying you're not going to close us down. And uh, he was a Polish pastor uh, serving in Canada, and uh, just really uh, just had this dogmatism that uh, was really uh, inspiring to see. I also saw another pastor uh, online a few weeks back jailed for his uh, for preaching during the pandemic. So I was thinking to myself, you know, these are our neighbors. And uh the church, you know, why is it that the church has become a target? Uh, sure, people might say it's because of crowds. it's because the church is somehow a super spreader, uh, whatever. you know, I'm not going to try to analyze that. I think both of those um, those reasons maybe can hold water to some degree, but I think it's much deeper than that uh, I, I really believe. As we near the rapture, the church is becoming more and more of a target. We know uh, in the tribulation, thankfully, that the Christian will not be in the tribulation. uh, But we are going to feel the heat and the spirit of the tribulation as we near the rapture. And we know that the Christian will be blamed for things that are going on uh because that is the most convenient thing if you do not agree with what's being said and done then uh it's you're obviously a hindrance so you're going to either be shut down or removed or in the communist years we saw people just disappear you either get with the program or you just uh you just disappear so but why is it so important to gather And certainly we can't legislate this to people. Uh, People have to have a personal conviction about church attendance. You know, I hear people say this all the time. Well, I'm watching online. I have my Bible. I have my own uh, spiritual connection with God. And those things are very, very important. And I don't want to minimize that in any way, because a personal word is something we need. We need Jesus to shepherd our soul. In Psalm twenty-three, but I have to also say that there is a uh, a great importance to gather, and I think it's being lost in this pandemic um, mandates that uh, scare people into uh, compliance. And uh, when we are given a religious freedom to gather, we must take that very seriously. And again, I can't legislate this or tell you how to think, but I've been really stirred up about it more than ever. And it's not a popular thought, but I think gathering, uh, we should do it all the more, like it says in Hebrews 10, 25. And in that season, when that was written, leprosy was rampant and many other diseases. So why must we meet together? Well, uh, there's a corporate word. There's a corporate word that we see all through the book of Revelations, uh, Revelations 2 7, 2 11, 2 17. This simple phrase uh, that says, Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now, if I'm not going to church, then I'm not going to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. That's the bottom line. And uh, again, you know, when we read through Scripture, we see that yes, God visits the individual. Yes, God can speak and minister in our devotional life. But there yet, yeah, so there's a personal word. I, I, I want to stress that that's an important part, but it's not the whole. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God in Romans 10:17. So I want to challenge you today with myself, obviously speaking to myself first, that Going to church, gathering, is a non-negotiable. It is an absolute important part of overcoming in these days before the rapture. And this is what Revelations 2.7 to 11 to 17 is talking about. Because he who hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church, to who that overcomes, to the one I, that will overcome, I will grant right to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him without overcome, I will have him e of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Again, read that verse twice. Uh, to the one who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Okay, so these verses are, are addressing, you know, we know the seven churches. are were seven literal churches, but they also represent seven periods of time. And in these periods, God is saying or stressing this point, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church. Now, the church is the personal revelation of Jesus Christ on the earth. So, of course, Satan is going to try to shut it down. And I got to say, this, this uh, video I saw on YouTube about this pastor just literally um, yelling at the police. Now, Now, I want to kind of be... Uh, I want to kind of just say it like this, that I loved his passion and I loved that he was guarding what is sacred. And he didn't just roll over, but instead he um, he guarded uh, his religious freedom and the religious freedom of his congregation. I think of MacArthur out in California. I think of many people that um, are uh, preserving and guarding, and that's an important word. We must guard what is sacred, uh, lest it be taken from us. And this is what Revelation 3, 3 says. Remember, therefore, what you've received and heard, hold fast and repent. And in verse 11 of chapter 3 of Revelation it says, I'm coming soon, so hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. So verse 11 is very key. Hold fast to what you have so no one will take your crown. Now, again, the church is a group of sinners gathering, imperfect people gathering around a perfect God, hearing truth, uh, learning, and uh, distinguishing what the Spirit is saying to the church in these last days. There's, yes, a personal word, but a corporate word. And really, the message that we see in Revelations 2, 7, 11, and 17 is uh, to overcomers. So if if I'm coming to church, I'm going to hear a word that's going to teach me to overcome, to overcome, to pass uh, and jump over obstacles, to go through um, the trial. If I'm alone, if I'm um, disconnected, then um, if I'm living in fear... Uh, or if I'm living in some sort of like uh, strange, like mindset that <clears throat> I'll come out when everything is over kind of thing, um, and then what will happen? The likelihood of overcoming will be less because of the corporate word, the word when two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of him. When there's a corporate word, there's corporate power. And uh, we understand that through the principle of angelic warfare that uh, there is power in numbers and ultimately in unity. so think about this there 's a popular concept today by Robert Bella. he calls it expressive individualism, and we see this we 've been seeing this for years actually, and now it's uh, it 's really kind of backfired during this pandemic. Um, You know, everyone wants to serve God in their own way, and uh, therefore uh, the the, uh, challenges of life breed many excuses not to gather. But he's saying here the belief that identity comes through self-expression, through discovering one's most authentic desires, and being free to be one's authentic self. This powerful belief has weakened all institutions in society. Now that might sound great and if you talk to the liberal on the street or to a free thinker or someone who is untaught this may sound very uh very good. Oh yes, I'm an individual. I'm going to follow God my way. I'm going to do it my way and if someone's telling me to do something and uh, I'll give up my uh my secure I'll give up my liberties for my securities. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, uh, we don't even put back, push back at all. We just roll over and give up these tremendous rights, tremendous privileges, uh, because we're following uh, people's uh, liberal thinking. So he talks about expressive individualism here. And, and this is really dangerous because it might sound good at first, but it's flawed. Now, uh, in the church... Uh, there can be those that are consumers. Those can be those that are hitchhikers. Those, and then those that are contributors. And and how does this, how does this uh, expressive individualism kind of throw in the face of those belief systems is really key. And and why am I bringing this up? Because. If I'm living for myself, interpreting, interpreting things based on my own understanding, then uh, I will back away. You and I will back away, and uh, we will lose our crown. We will not hold fast. We will not guard what is sacred. Therefore, we'll just give it up to be safe. You know, it kind of bothers me these days when people say, oh, be safe, be safe. This word safety I don't know why it irks me because in Revelation six two, it's a false safety. Um, the safest place is the perfect will of God. The safest place is where God puts you. The safest place uh, may have tremendous risk, but it's risk uh, that God uh, has given so that you can be a um, an example, a demonstration of truth. Now I'm not talking about. Being reckless, I'm not talking about uh or or risk management because we're not managing risks. We're we are obeying God and we're hearing what the Spirit is saying to the church. What's the Spirit saying to the church? Uh follow Jesus, uh learn the Bible, gather all the more, pray one for another, demonstrate your faith. Be passionate. Be bold. Be courageous. Be prayerful. Be mindful. Uh, being uh, a, a compassionate one to another, forgiving one another, abide in unity one with another. Again, we will not understand the corporate word of God if we're not gathering. So, again, so this expressive individualism puts us in the in the front seat, and therefore. we're all about being consumers. We're just consuming it upon our own uh, lust, our own needs without regard or need of others. Um, Again, we can have hitchhikers in the church. We can be like a hitchhiker. Now, a spiritual hitchhiker is like a nomad migrating from place to place without roots, okay? It's someone that's non-committal, moving around and really kind of you know, feeding on what they feel they need. Now, this is another thing that's interesting about the church is the church makes us accountable. The church disciples us. It's iron sharpening iron. It may uh, require sacrifice. It may require, uh, it may be uncomfortable because maybe you don't like the people in the church, but you want to go to a church where you're hearing the Word of God and you're being discipled unto Jesus Christ. If you're not hearing and being fed, then you're in the wrong place. So, again, a hitchhiker, someone that approaches a church, it's almost like uh, buying a new car. You want to make sure it's, uh, it fits you. Uh, it it, it uh, you know, reflects who you are, very self-centered type of way. Now, a hitchhiker, again, uh, there's no real accountability Uh, there's really, um, you know, we just take what we like and throw out the things we don't like. Um, again, the hitchhiker is, uh, you know, if he hears something that he doesn't like, he hits the road and he is no, he's not really in a place of accountability at all. He's just moving, kind of, uh, operating on his own terms. Uh, consumer, same thing. You know, A consumer is all about me, me, me. See, when we come to the church, we, we're in a place where we're hearing the Spirit. We're hearing the Spirit. What is the Spirit saying? Well, the Spirit is pointing to truth. The Spirit is pointing to Jesus. And we're not going to learn in its full capacity the things that we're supposed to learn unless we are hearing the Word of God. Now, there's been a lot of criticism about the church. Now, again, it's an entity that is, uh, you know, of course, imperfect. But again, when we focus on absolute truth, truth from the Bible, uh, you know, truth that uh, just ministers the heart of God, backed up by Scripture and doctrine, then it's something that stands the test of time. Now, uh, so in Ephesians one seventeen and 18, think about that. Ephesians one seventeen and 18, Paul is praying for the spirit of wisdom, enlightening of the eyes, knowing the inheritance of the saints. He has this amazing prayer there. And where does it happen? It happens in the church that these fruits of conversion, enlightenment, awakening, um, this uh, discipleship, this breakthroughs, these things happen in the church. So we have a pastor, teacher, a shepherd that uh, spends hours and hours and hours praying, presenting the word and discipling. uh, without that, we're just left to our own interpretation. Uh, we're left to our own um, ways and we're not able to be accountable and understand what our blind spots are. So when he's talking about the spirit of revelation, this spirit of of accountability, this is spirit of enlightenment, uh, this spirit of wisdom, this all happens in the church. So I want to ask you today, what do you think about what I'm saying? Uh, I want to hear from you. Uh, have you backed off? Have you, are you leaning in? Are you coming? Are you, or am I saying I don't have time or I'm just trying to be safe or I'm just trying to uh, obey in Romans 13 my, uh, the people that are above me? Let me just say something about Romans 13. Uh, you know, we obey God first and man second. And if man redirects us from God, we do not obey man nor nor his ways. And I think we have to get a little spiritual backbone here because if uh we're gonna whine about uh what the church is doing, you know, people snitching on the church, you know, that's that's about as low as you can go. People snitching on the church makes me ripping angry. It's like, give me a break. You're going to tell on the church, just excuse yourself and, and move on. Oh, we do it because we care. We do it because we don't want the church to be a super spreader. Well, that's just a bunch of bunk. Um, you know, if you're going to snitch on the church, repent, repent where you are. Uh, go to the person alone, go to the leadership alone, communicate. Absolutely. We're here to hear from you, but don't, you know, we had people calling from our congregation, the police snitching on us. You know, that's got to be, you know, are you even saved doing stuff like that? That's what I say about that. Oh man, I'm just getting angry even talking about it. Okay. Um, so getting back, what is the spirit saying to the church? He is saying, he is saying, I am coming. I am coming. I am coming soon. In these last days, we need a corporate word. We need corporate power. We need corporate anointing. We need corporate wisdom. We need corporate vision. Without a vision, people perish. This is why we're planting churches. This is why we're praying for one another. This is why we are um, expressing love one in, to another. You know, if the church does not unite, guess what? The church will be divided. You know, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church if it's the church of Christ. Uh, If it's the church of me, if I'm a hitchhiker, a consumer, if I'm someone that's just kind of listening more to uh, other people than the the Holy Spirit, then we will not hold fast. We will not stand fast. You know, again, we want to be contributors. We want to be those that give back. We want those that are looking to pour out. We want to invest. This is like, you know, we talk about a health crisis in our nation, in our world. How about a mental health crisis? People are faltering. Why? They're distracted. They're divided. They're disrupted in their emotions. And so therefore, we need to have a, uh, an attitude of prayer, an attitude of boldness. You know, I'm not going to give up my right with you to gather to hear the Bible. Uh, I'm not going to uh, give up my right to minister to uh, the brethren you know, look at Acts chapter two, 41 through 47, the early church, what was their center? It was the scriptures. It was the apostles teaching. So let's lean in. Let's be even more, uh, in the right sense, aggressive about making it our, um, making it our first choice to gather, to pray for our pastors, to pray for our leaders, to pray for our churches. And, um, you know, even in our church here in Baltimore, we've had to, we have a good relationship with the city and uh, we're in good communication, but we're not closing down. We're not closing down. Uh, that's the most ridiculous thing. And, you know, for churches that have done that, we're praying for you. We're praying for you, uh, that you'd open back up because you're a city on the hill. You're a light in a dark place. And we need to be communicators of what the Spirit is saying to the church uh, what's that what's he what's he saying to be an overcomer to uh to have what's needed to walk through the valley to to jump over the wall to keep our eyes on Christ you know cuz otherwise you know if we're left alone you know it, it's like the zebra principle when the lion is hunting the zebra and he's and the zebras are in a herd it looks like one huge animal but if the zebra is uh you know, off to the side, then he's an easy prey. He's an easy target. That's what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to to divide and conquer. He's trying to um, to lead away, to entice, and to destroy, kill, and rob. So today, um, you know, I've talked to many people that have great excuses why they're not meeting, and that's between you and God, and ultimately, but I want to challenge you. You're not hearing what the Spirit is saying to the church. You may have a personal word But the corporate word is the only way you you and I are going to make it to the rapture as a fervent, effective Christian. Uh, Because otherwise, we're no match for the devil, no match for the world system. And yeah, we may pay a price for meeting, but you know what? The gates of hell will not prevail. And uh, so let's not dance around the issue. Let's lean in. Let's pray hard, let's love fervently, let's serve intentionally, and let's hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. So, precious Father, bless our moments together. Thank you for the testimonies and just the heart of each man in this room. It's really amazing. Just uh, the miracle and the work of grace and uh, the story, our story, and really we are understanding your story behind our story and seeing your faithfulness again and again. And Lord, just meet our needs this weekend, Uh, just your spirit, encourage, challenge, empower, correct, convict, and just uh, deeply inspire us this weekend. Thank you for the church here in Houston, and uh, we just really ask for uh, just your spirit to move in a special way, a memorable way this weekend, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 I have my notes on my phone here, so. <laughs> so, uh, if you want to turn with me to Luke chapter 22, a theme that has really been in my heart for the last two months or so, about taking back territory, and it's been a personal theme that I that I've been kind of developing in my own life, just how uh, we're in such a place in our country that we can see the loss of ground so evidently. And um, there are lots of reasons for that. But I just thought, in a practical way, how does this affect me? And one of the things I was thinking about is how the devil wants to take back territory in my own life. He wants to have the light in my life turn to darkness. And how does that happen? It happens really when when what we're doing and, or what we're a part of is absent from the Holy Spirit. We just heard an amazing song about holy ground and how that any ground can be holy if the Holy Spirit is invited to it, if it's, a, if it's an area that's consecrated unto Him. So the most vile thing can be sanctified because the Holy Spirit's given dominion, right? Right? The Holy Spirit's given power. The Holy Spirit's given the ability to uh, change uh, change these things from uh, my way to his way. And I, I was thinking about just men in general and just how my brother kept using this word pressure today. And I don't know about you. I've experienced that word. Um, I've experienced. I feel like the warfare has intensified because we have crossed over a new line of evil in our country and really in in our world because the devil knows his time is short. And I just thought, how can we take back territory? How is it that we can be an overcomer in these last days? Uh, because in Joshua chapter one verse three. Jesus said to Moses, whatever, uh, we said to Joshua, whatever the sole of your feet touches, it is yours. You have authority over it. And maybe we can think about that like as we look at our cities, we look at our families, we look at our neighborhoods, we look at our, um, you know, maybe even our workplaces. It's like, okay, we can see where the devil has the upper hand, but how can we take back that territory How can we have the authority of God reign in that area? And I just I want to give a couple practical thoughts about it. And uh, I think Luke 22, uh, 30, uh, 31 is a a good illustration. So just think about that uh, in your own life, maybe in your family, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your personal life. (laughs) Satan may have had advantage. He can come in anytime he wants do what he wants and leaves without any type of challenge and it's interesting I'm remembering a time in Frederick recently on outreach and uh, we were doing some soul winning and we had walked up to an Indian lady that was a uh, she was Hindu and we just began to share the love of Jesus with her and she became very combative very agitated And uh, she started to personally insult us. She started to speak really strange and volatile things to us. And I just thought to myself, this is not a natural situation. And we began to speak the name of Jesus to her. And every time we mentioned the name Jesus to her, she would step backwards. It's really interesting. And what had happened was she came out and said, after an exchange, she goes, we are here, we, she used the word we, we are here to, to frighten you away from Frederick. We do not want you here. Wow. And it was Pastor Dennis and I, and it was definitely a demonic encounter. Wow. And uh, we came away from that saying that we have disturbed the undisturbed, right? There were some, some undisturbed demons that were disturbed because of the authority of Christ, walking in the authority mm-hmm. of Christ. Weakness, yet there we were, with stammering lips, just presenting the gospel, and this lady ran away. She did not walk away; she ran away. And we then were able to do sketchboard, and we had an amazing time in in the uh, downtown area, and we had such authority uh, for the rest of the afternoon. But the point is, is we took back territory. We we brought the authority of God into the situation where. where truth had fallen in the street, in Isaiah 59, 14. So so how does that happen? Uh, Well, he says here, And the Lord said to Simon, Behold, Satan has desired to have you, and that he may sift you as wheat. And I have prayed for you, that thy faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. And I... I always love this verse because Satan has desired to have you. He said that about Job, right? Just let me have his life. Um, He knows those that are his. He knows those that are walking with him in weakness. Remember what they said about David? He said he is weak yet anointed, right? Weak yet anointed. and You are anointed of God. Maybe you think you've done something great for God. Maybe you don't think you've done something great for God. It doesn't matter. It's who you walk with. The authority of, of the Christ in your life is so much greater than anything we could do or create. So my point here is that the devil has desired to sift you. And this is a very interesting word in the Greek. It literally means to beat the strength or to beat the fight out of you. Simon, the devil wants to beat the fight out of you. Isn't that interesting? So as men, we are made to fight. We are made to advance. We're made to initiate. We are made to conquer. We're made to lead. And when we don't do these things, we, the, uh, there's another authority that takes over our life. Fear has authority. Anxiety, insecurity, uh, maybe past failures, maybe guilt, shame, and fear have this authority. And the sifting happens, the beating happens. You ever seen someone in a boxing ring that's been, that gets into the corner and they just beat them? Literally, they're beaten. And I don't know if you've encountered any blows in a fight. Uh, after a few blows, you're seeing stars. You're starting to feel a little dizzy, feeling a little wobbly, right? Satan loves to corner the believer and beat on him. Beat the fight at him so that he quits, that he looks at himself, that he second guesses himself, that he overthinks, that he uh, just imagines. We're going to talk about this maybe this week in in Nehemiah 6, 8. he, He imagines a vain thing. He creates something out of nothing. But I love these words. And these are the words I'd like you to think about. Jesus said, I have prayed for you. That is an incredible statement. Hebrews 7.25 talks about him interceding for us. But imagine that. I have prayed for you. Now, when you're under pressure, what do you want to do when you're under pressure? You want to alleviate that pressure. What do you do when you're in pain? What do you do when you're in temptation? Right? What do you want to do when everything inside of you is screaming, but you have to stay contained? Right? What do you do? Well, there needs to be a diffuser or a pressure release valve, right? And hopefully it's not uh, you erupting or me erupting on on other people (laughs) because oftentimes uh, hurt people hurt people or we Mm -hmm. hurt the people we really love, right? So that word, that word, I have prayed for you. I want us to think about that like, Jesus praying for me. Now, if you look at John 17 real quick, John 17. um, So, you know, it's just interesting to think that Jesus would not only know our name, not only count the footsteps. He counts your footsteps in Job 31.4. He bottles our tears. He's very personal, right? But he prays for us like prayer. Like Jesus intercedes to the Father for you. When you and I are under pressure, when you and I are between a rock and a hard place, when you and I want to quit, right? And by the way, when you want to quit, that usually means that you're right at the pinnacle or you're right at the edge of victory. So when you want to quit, when you want to throw in the towel, that's usually when you're ready for a breakthrough.
1: (laughs) Can I say something? You know what carbon is, don't you? It's okay. What lead's made out of. Uh-huh. So when you put lead under pressure, it becomes a diamond. There you go. So you're talking about pressure. You have to go through pressure to be a diamond. Mm-hmm. Excellent.
0: There's a good example right there. Mm-hmm. Right? Wow, that's, that's brilliant. So it's like, it's amazing what happens. There's good pressure, right? There's the pressure that can be toxic it's and can just, hurt us. It's just
1: on top of the land. It's just lead. Yeah. But if it's under pressure and fire, it becomes a diamond.
0: Beautiful. So, yeah. And also, there's also pressure like hydraulics, right? Hydraulic mm-hmm. pressure, which actually moves you. There's bad pressure, toxic pressure that hurts us, and then there's good pressure that moves us and advances us. So that's a great, great point. Well, anyway, just look at this here, um, John 17. So... Maybe just uh, four things I could suggest that will help us in taking back territory. Um, number one, it's, rem- it's remember remember what originally was the pattern before the devil hijacked it. Okay, so just think about the human race for a minute. God, a man was made to what? He was made to what? dominion have dominion to rule, to glorify God, right? Mm -hmm. That was the original pattern, right? God made us to be um, caretakers of the garden, right? To be rulers. And what happened? The devil comes in and he hijacks it, right? So remembering who God has made us to be is an excellent way to bring in perspective, right? I think about our nation what, what is the key to prosperity in our nation? It was directly related to our connection to the Word of God and to the, the principles of God. You take God out, then there's, there's d- decay and deterioration, right? Inevitably. So remembering the pattern, okay? It's so important. The pattern of a family, the atomic family, right? The kingdom family, okay? We know what the reason is for the family, it's not two dads and kids it's not two moms and kids it's a mother and father right it's the the dynamics and the and the the beauty of marriage right the second thing that helps us identify and take back territory is to address the antichrist narrative so what does that mean like there is there's like another narrative to what Christ's word says, right? Christ's words point back to the heart of Christ. We interpret the things of God by the heart of God. But an antichrist narrative is absent from the absolutes of God, right? So it's humanism or it's relativism. It's this narrative that is very much designed to point back to you are your own God. Okay, the self-absorbed, the myoptic, the uh, self oriented gospel, the social gospel. So, to address the Antichrist narrative. So, what does that mean? It means that we come into an area and we recognize, okay, this is holy ground because we're inviting the Holy Spirit here and we're addressing the atmosphere or we're addressing anything that is opposing the Holy Spirit from having dominion, right? So, what does that mean? There's prayer. There is maybe worship. Very interestingly enough, in Ezra three three, before they built the foundations of the temple, what did they build? What was the first thing they built? Before the foundation. Yeah. What was the first thing they built?
1: The altar.
0: The altar. Before they even built the foundations, they built an altar. What a great way to address an area is on our knees, right? To discern, okay, what is it? What's God's plan for this area, right? You ever go to a new area? I know in Frederick it's been very interesting. There's like old demons in that city. They're really old demons. It's it's, it's And I'm not a demon hunter either, but uh, we, we encounter some uh, strange stuff every week. But what's amazing is you go in with the power and authority of God, and the devil... Wants to sift, but what happens? Jesus prays, and the devil exits. It's amazing. Jesus prays, like Jesus is praying in John 17 that we are one even that as we are one, that they would know the love of God, that we would not be uh, separated from his Father. It's amazing the things that Jesus prays. Let me give you two more things. So address the Antichrist narrative. To address the lie, What is speaking to my life? What's speaking to me? Oh, you're a loser. You'll never make it. Or your past disqualifies your present. Or you could never be used of God because you did X, Y, Z. Antichrist narrative, like to address that and say, that is not, I'm taking back that territory. I'm taking back that mind space. I'm taking back that soul space. I'm I'm letting God fill my heart and cast out the lie. It's very powerful. So it's geographical, but it's also uh it can, it can be emotional, right? Emotional. That's emo- emotional territory. Like how much energy we can lose. Like um kind of a funny thing. Uh I have a pool at home and uh I filled I filled it up and it leaked. Mm. Right? So you put 5,000 gallons in it, and the next day there's nothing. So you do that a couple times, that's very expensive, right? So there's holes in my pool that I could not find, and I'm like, it's like on my mind. I don't know about you, like, I fixate on things. I I hold on to things. I'm like, I have to figure it out. I have to, fi- I have to solve this problem. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> so it's normal. It's normal. Oh, okay, thanks, Pastor. <laughs> So I'm like patching everything. I'm like patching everything. that looks like a hole. I got like three inches of glue in the bottom of my pool. No. I mean, it's practically. I'm a, so I wind up calling a guy who's like this. He's a diver. So I say, hey, can you. And he specializes in fixing pools. So he jumps in there and he's, he, uh, he literally patches 12 holes. And I said, have you seen a pool this bad? And he goes, no. I, he goes, I've, I've patched a pool that was 60. I had to put 60 patches in it. Wow. So I'm like, wow, you should probably retire that pool, right? Mm. And he goes, no, you got a lot of life in this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, I call, so I call my pool the speckled bird. But uh, the, the, the point is this. is like I was using so much mental energy to figure out this pool that when he finished it, I literally slept for like 10 hours afterwards. I was so exhausted. (laughs) I mean, have you done that before? You thought about something so great? Yeah,
1: I was both sleep 10 hours. Oh, okay. I was slothful.
0: No, I mean, so the whole point was I was using a whole lot of mental, emotional Mm -hmm. fatigue... And it was all on this anti-Christ narrative. Like, where was Christ in this? Well, yeah. Christ is so much greater than, than what we think the problem is. So addressing the anti-Christ narrative, like, that is so important. All right, two, two other things. Confess faith in reality even in another reality. Like, in the face of fear, we confess faith. That is a great way to take back territory. Like to say, okay, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. You ever pray that prayer? I think I pray that every day. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Right? I don't see how this is going to work out. I don't see how this is going to glorify you. This, this, this is wrong. Like we can have a very much a a pragmatic faith that's absent of fear, uh, absent of faith. God says, confess faith. Confess those things that are not as though they are. And what happens? We start to take back territory in our heart. And that's where confidence happens. That's where assurance happens. That's where trust happens. Like the reason why trust is such a a sacred commodity in a believer's life is that the more that we're assured of the faithfulness of God is the more that we will grow in trust. Isn't that great? It's amazing. So it's like, okay, God, I have been hurt in my past, but I'm going to give you my hurt and I'm going to let that place where my hurt was be filled with who you are. Mm -hmm. And what happens? That territory is taken back, and all of a sudden, we're able to forgive because we're able to love because we love and forgive ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know this is a brief thought tonight, but this is kind of loaded. Then lastly, don't take your hand off the plow. Mm -hmm. Right? I think that was a big one. Um, So when you read John 17... Don't take your hand off the ball. A.W. Tozer says this. He says, "Revival follows the plow." So I think of what Brandon's doing in uh, Florida, or all of us for that matter. God's given us a plow. He's He's causing us to dig deep to prepare room for the seed. Maybe it's in our families. Maybe it's in church planting. Uh, maybe it's in a, it's in a um, You're investing in someone's life and you're just breaking new ground and you're just pouring Christ. Don't take your hand off of it. See, this is the thing. The devil wants us to stop what we're doing because the weakest believer on their knees is the greatest threat to the devil. So the devil's great at minimizing the work of God. And God is saying, listen, I'm doing a work in you so I can do a work through you. Don't stop. Don't. Don't be belittled. Don't be belittled. Don't, like the Bible school down here in, in Houston, huge. It's a huge thing. Think of the Bible school in Wilmington, huge, right? It's yeah. huge what's going on. And it's like, if there's five people or 50 people, it doesn't matter. It, it's, don't take your hand off the plow because what are we doing? We are we are advancing and, 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 and what God is filling and he is uh, breaking new ground and he's, uh, causing this ground to be holy ground. So maybe this is another message for tomorrow, but holy ground is a place that is consecrated to God. It's a barren place that can become a fruitful place because now God has authority there. right? Acts one eight. you have authority. You are my witnesses. You have authority. So I just feel like as we, as we go towards the rapture, I want to take authority in my own life personally, family's life, but also in my neighborhood, I want to walk down my streets and pray for my neighbors. Uh, prayer is a huge thing. Yeah. Prayer is the nothing happens without prayer. Yeah. Uh, in our nation, I'm not. I'm not. I am not going to sit on my hands. I'm not going to be silenced. But we're praying for boldness and courage in these days to say no, devil. That's not going to happen on my watch. And we speak Christ. And we, cons- we continue in consistency. And that's why I'm excited about this trip, because I believe God's anointed each one of you in your, in your areas of influence to, to take back territory. Well, I'll, just, I'll close here. It says this. It says, uh, I have kept them, in verse 12, that we would know that we're kept, that Scripture would be fulfilled in our lives. Uh, I want to read this one spot. That they might be one as you are one, Father art in me, and I in thee, that they may also be one in us, and the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I give to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you and me, that they may be perfect in one, that thou that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and that thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. I mean, this is this is what Jesus is praying. I mean, this chapter is loaded to bear. But I just want maybe I'll close it. Up. When you feel like you're just being pummeled, you're getting right hooks, left hooks, uppercuts, hammer hammer jacks. What do you call those uh, with the uh, axe kicks? All right. My son and I were playing around the other day, and he gave me a right hook. It was like whoa. Damn. When you feel like that. That raw jab, it's like, God's like, I've prayed for you. (laughs) And when you've been uh, converted, you will strengthen the brethren. Like, God is doing a big work. He's taken over territory. Sin is becoming less effective. The appetite of sin is becoming less. And if we fail, we get back up and we brush off the dust. And we say, Lord, let's strengthen the brethren. Like, I need my brother, right? I need my brother's. And we're strengthening each other. Mm. And so, amen. That's just some fresh thoughts there. What came to me is, you know, the Bible says,
1: seed, time, and harvest. It's the time factor is what gets me, the germination part. I mean, I know God's called me to do things, but it's just his timing, just the timing part. I guess he's building my roots down deeper, yep. yeah. the germination part. It's the
0: time mm-hmm. part. You're just waiting for his time to come. <laughs> it's amazing how he's not on our schedule, isn't
1: it?
0: <laughs> None of us have the gift of patience. That's for sure. I'm not a doctor. Oh yeah. That
1: was fresh, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's how we live. You know, we're here, and you know, you, you said, Pastor, you know, it's like so good for us, for you, for us to come down and be with you, but it's so good for us mm-hmm. to be able to mm-hmm. be together. And, uh, you know, Psalm 133 talks about this thing called unity. And unity is not sameness. Mm. And I think that very often, as Christendom finds, Christendom finds its security and sameness and wants to move away from diversity. And I don't mean a social diversity, but a gift diversity, a portion diversity. I like what Pastor Jason was saying. was like, I need you to be who you are in Christ, and you need me to be who I am. In Christ. And then we all need to get together because that's where the commanded blessing will be. So, this is, this is a good exercise in light of what you're saying, you know, in terms of, you know, taking back, you know, rightful territory. And uh, it really did prompt me on, on some great thoughts, Pastor Jason. So, thank you. Um, how are we all doing? You doing all right? We're all right. You're all right. Take a deep breath in, you know. (laughs) I mean, you know, like we should have brought out some of that hot sauce down here. You know, that would clear out the cockles. Yeah, there we go. good (laughs) hot (laughs) sauce. This this is the hot sauce man right here. He was educating me on that. He likes hot sauces right there, too. The other Dave, too. Yeah, okay. (laughs) David, Peter, you all right? You are so tired. You're you're so truthful. I am with you. But you know what? I always say to him. I said, "You're a young man." Uh, I mean, yeah, right. You know, wait until you put on a couple more decades or something. You want coffee? No. No, he's he's all right. I'm I'm halfway teasing him. Hey, let's turn in our Bibles to Exodus chapter three, please. And I'm going to be very brief. Why? I don't know. Because since you said so, Brandon, we'll go a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, <clears throat> the idea, and one of the one of the great principles here found with Moses. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you know we hear Moses. Moses was a towering figure, and the nation of Israel's life, like, you know, he, he was unsurpassed in terms of his, his, uh, his life, his ministry, you know, <laughs> 120 years, and break that up into three, you know, three 40-year sessions. I mean, some of us, you know, haven't even been on the planet for 40 years, but that's how, you know, impactful his life was. So. Uh, where did that, where did he begin? And what do we see in Moses, not at the conclusion of his life, but as we're going to see here at the very beginning, at the very outset. And it's pretty awesome. Now, we know, okay, so here he is, backside of the desert, Midian. He's keeping, you know, flock He's he's like, you know, every day the same thing repeated over and over and over again. Ad nauseum. I mean, it's like, you know, your life is predictable. What's yesterday going to be like? What's going to be like tomorrow? And the same thing. So, no motivation. No inspiration. Okay? And I was reading Oswald Chambers this morning, you know, and I tell you, I, you know, it's been just incredible. His devotional, The Utmost for His Highest. My wife and I have read that, literally. We have read that for 32 years. Wow. And I got to remember, I read this last year, yeah. and the year before, and the year before that. And I'm reading it now, and it's like fresh. It's like, wow. But he talks about um, how we think that God is going to, pre- he's preparing us. And we understand this, okay? He's preparing us. But we think so often that maybe he's preparing us for something great, i.e., ministry or however we want to define it, doing something for God, okay? And he cited the fact that the real greatness is, is in what God is doing. Here and now. He says it like that. Here and now. So what's the most important thing that's going on in my life is right here, is right now. It's with you guys. Yes. And like when we sang, you know, holy ground. We're standing. We're standing. This is what happened to Moses. So the bush that burned, okay, but wasn't consumed. So we think, man, that's, that's the miracle. But it wasn't the miracle, (laughs) you know, like an event or some sort of uh, miraculous occasion is pretty much one and done, you know. I mean, we could have said to Moses, what did you see out there? He says, man, I saw a bush that was burning and it wasn't consumed. Oh, that's great. But you know what the real miracle was? (laughs) Is that God spoke to Moses. God Called Moses, <clears throat> Moses, Moses, yeah. and he's doing that today. He's doing that today, and I love when Paul talks about our calling. Okay, it's not to something; it can be, but that's the effect. It's to someone. We've called. We've been called unto the fellowship of God's dear Son. Period. Whatever comes out of that is the work of grace. But if we miss that and we're looking to kind of do something, and of course we want to be fruitful. But, you know, fruit fruit comes from John 15, doesn't it? Abiding in the vine. It is like (laughs) locational, like... You know, like many of us can say, we've been in this same location, same church, same ministry, and I, and I my heart gets broken because there are a lot of dear, precious brothers and sisters, and they're looking for the perfect church mm-hmm. <laughs> and as soon as they find it, okay, it ain't that ages and're not perfect anymore yeah <laughs> But more importantly is that that is not the objective. The psalmist says, Psalm 119, I think it's 89, he says this. He says, I have seen the end of perfection. Another translation has it like, you know, I've come to the conclusion that perfection has brought And isn't it interesting that some kind of way we think in our minds that oh man, wouldn't it be great if I was perfect? However that might look, you know, what does that mean? Well, you know, I don't sin, I don't, you know, like I don't waiver, I don't want to quit, I don't want to give up, I don't, you know, I want to be the best friend, best brother, best husband, best you know, person. Well, but that's not God's goal. So the B part of that verse says, he says, but your commandments continue. This is a paraphrase, but on and on and on. Your word, God, continues past perfection. Mm -hmm. Think of that. So we never arrive, but we're already here. (laughs) It's paradoxical, isn't it? We never arrive, So, but I fathom where God has brought me. I'm not looking for something past that because there is nothing past that except the fact of where the word of God will take me. Mm. Okay, so here's Moses. And so for 40 years, he's done the same thing. Mm. And I'm sure he got up Monday through Friday, you know, not expecting anything, you know, out of the ordinary, nothing extraordinary. However, it's very interesting because what God says to him (laughs) <laughs> let's let's take a look here, and and it's amazing because <clears throat> um, it says that um, in Exodus three six, moreover, God said, "I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob." Now he's talking to Moses historically, okay. While Moses was in Egypt, okay, God was the God of this living ancestral reality that he had. But he left that. He got exiled from that. And now he's out in the wilderness. Hmm. Obviously, thinking, it's over. It's over. You know, I'll be with these, I'll be a herdsman until I go, you know, into eternity. But it's interesting that. the Lord is addressing him to go back to where he was but not as the person he was and this this is the thing that is amazing for us is regaining what we already have and it's almost awkward language. What does it mean to regain? I already have it. Yes. So like what Peter was saying, he says, you know, a good minister is one who reminds you of what you've already what you already know. You already know these things. This is why this fellowship, why the body, the body life is so important for us. Because you're reminding me of who I am in Christ, and I'm doing the same thing for you on a moment by moment basis. And it is an affirmation and confirmation that God is faithful over the decades. Whew. Man. So 40 years for Moses. 37, right, Pastor? 32. 32. Well, I mean, you know, hey, listen. We can throw a couple of de- couple more decades in there. still good. <laughs> One oh person. my goodness yeah and uh, but here's, here's something else that I think is interesting so Moses is there and in verse 8 God says I am come down I am come down to <coughs> deliver the people up Get the direction here. God descends and the people come up, in this case, to the promised land. And Jesus Christ is the perfect example of the humility of God to put on human flesh, to be born into this world, this world. (laughs) Hmm. Bypassing the angelic realm, putting on human flesh. Mm -hmm. And then getting that human flesh to lead the disciples who were just like you, just like me. And getting them to then carry on this message. Okay, How does that happen? Same way. i'm not looking for a burning bush i'm looking for the god of the burning bush i'm not looking for an event or something to inspire me externally i want the holy spirit in me and in you to speak to us to speak to us and the moment that the devil lies like you're saying pastor that you're you're out here you're on your own you're isolated nobody's praying for you thinking of you doing anything with you that is the lie. That is the lie. Until we we see this, and maybe we see it just for three or four days, we're going to see it for an international international convention. Amen. Last week, yeah, of June. June. Come on. Come. Come on. <laughs> we need. You know. You know. What's provoked me is that there are folks that they got to get a visa, they got to get their passport stamped, they got to get an s- expensive ticket. They got to get a COVID shot or whatever they else need to do. Rent (laughs) a car. Yeah. To get here, for them to get here for a week, seven days, eight days, they're coming for you. They're coming to be with you. That's why they're coming. Okay? So that's why I need to be there for them. That's why I need to show up, because maybe I just need to get in a car, you know. Maybe I just need to get on a plane. I don't, you know. Oh. Whatever, you know. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. So that's a little advertisement there. Um, so Moses hears God speak to him, and then he tells Moses, "Go back." But Moses is going to doubt as to what he could possibly do going back into Egypt. Mm. Number one, he's still a fugitive in his own mind. He's still on the run Mm. (laughs) mentally. Secondly, who's he going to take with him? You ever ever embark on on a, you know, on a lead of God, and you're wondering, well, who else, is <laughs> who else is going to be around to help me? Yeah. Who Lucky, else is going to Lucky, see what's going colors. on, you know? Lucky, Do they see started. the same thing I see? Well, maybe yeah. they don't, but if they see you see that thing, and sure. you go after that thing, maybe they'll come too. Yeah. Yeah. That can happen. Like that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. And then, So, <laughs> but then he hears this. The Lord tells him, I will go with you. End of line. I will go with you. And, you know, that's where then it's not talent, it's not ability, Mm. uh, you know, it's not intellect, it's not resources. Pastor Chris, you know, was talking about like talking to some other servants, you know, and, and, and the list of what, you know, resources they have, what they draw from in terms of uh, talent. You know, there's no substitute. A gift of the Holy Spirit can't be counterfeited, can't be reproduced, can't be duplicated, and can't be controlled. It's a gift. It's a gift. Mm. And it's outside of the realm of the natural, you know. I mean, if the natural man could do what we're talking about here, or what we, you know, what we're, you know, experiencing, then who needs who needs what we're doing? Okay, but no, this is supernatural,
0: mm.
1: and it's supernatural not because it's some event or it's a visible thing. It's supernatural because even right now, even as I was saying, you know, God's speaking to me, mm. God's speaking to us, okay, and. He's going to call us to do that which is impossible and unnatural. Why shouldn't he? Moses, you're going back to Egypt. <laughs> you know, you, you run the risk of being you know, in prison. You're going to stand before Pharaoh and say some things that, you know, Pharaoh needs to hear. Because you know what Pharaoh's going to say? You know, who is this God that I should worship him? Yeah. Interesting question. It's kind of like a two-edged thing. It was like I, you know, I think I'm God, so I'm rejecting you. But who do you think that you are coming to me talking about this other God? Well, that's what people need to hear. Because if they're thinking that they're God and that they're going to run their lives and that they're de- determiners of their own destiny, they need to hear that oh, no, 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 there's another God. Mm. And he's a living Christ. And you can know him. And he loves you. How are they going to find that out? we got to go back. <laughs> We got to go back. And maybe it's going back to, and I know that's what's happening up in Delaware, to what we grew up with. Mm. I love the fact that you said, you know, you were listening to a tape. <laughs> a tape? <laughs> Scotch tape? <laughs> yeah, duck tape. Duck tape. <laughs> yeah, duct tape. Yeah, something's holding that together. Yeah. Proverbs. You know what, I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know who it was. I think it was God, but I don't know who it was. (laughs) But somebody, somebody made the quantitative decision that when Pastor Stevens was going to say anything, get a microphone under his chin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what do we got? We got uh, 6,000 plus messages, Wow. okay, 474 doctrinal booklets, You know, radio, Bible school classes. Mm -hmm. I mean, (coughs) Mm. we are very wealthy. Mm -hmm. Very wealthy. So all the more the reason I just, you know, spend and be spent. That's what Paul said, didn't Mm -hmm. Mm he? Yes. Just spend it, you know, because you're not going to drain the bank account. (laughs) You know, we we win by losing. Mm. We gain by giving. You know, it's it's like the, the... divine equation is the inverse of everything that the world has said you know about who you think you should be and what you should be about with your life what are you going to do with your life you know spend it on on christ you know why this waste was the indictment against the alabaster being broken right we heard that recently and the fact that you could look at that empty alabaster box and and say, you know, boy, I wish I had saved that for a rainy day. <laughs> well, guess what? It's raining. It's raining out here right now, right? It's, uh, okay. And, um, but just in closing, what God would do in gaining our attention to what he wishes to say to us in the next 48 hours that's
0: amazing
1: we're going to hear from heaven